Oh, on some commissioner all by myself yet again because someone had to have fireworks tonight. This is Monday when I'm recording, by the way. But anyways, welcome to Wednesday. I hope you made it with all 10 fingers and 10 toes attached. I know I had a couple of fireworks trying to make their way towards my face, which luckily not many people see on a daily basis. So it's fine. Don't worry. Everything came out in one piece. Um, but I hope your 4th of July went well. And if you're from somewhere else that doesn't celebrate 4th of July, well, I hope you're Tuesday was great. Um, but like I said, it's just me by myself. So it's going to be another intriguing adventure with <laughs> me by myself. Um, so basically, I think today it's going to be more just like a kind of a dynasty walkthrough. Just kind of like, all right, here's some couple more do's and don'ts of what not to do or some personal things that I like to do. Um, so essentially, because not a lot of news has happened, like Devontae Parker signed a deal whoop-de-doo, I think it's like over 70, it's like over, it's a substantial part of his new deal is incentive laden to where like, I think it was mostly just a cap space move to attempt to try to get a spot for DeAndre Hopkins on the roster, just because it did create more cap space by delaying money, blah, 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 yada, yada. Um, Dalvin Cook was apparently offered a contract by the Dolphins, but he didn't accept, which means one of two things. The market's not as good as he thought it was for himself because that probably wasn't enough money. And the other one is we should probably slow our role in the Devin A-Chain hype just because I think the fact that they were a team that we can confirm that offered a contract, I think we can safely assume they're going to add another running back to that mix. And whether it be, you know, <clears throat> a later addition to potentially like Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, um, just kind of one of those players. I know Dalvin, I know they're all different archetypes of how they play, but I think that's just giving us the whisper that they are looking to add somebody. Um, but anyways, so we'll just kind of run through this today just because like I said, it's me by my lonesome, but all is well in Narnia. Um, so I would say kind of like a dynasty tip of mine would be to like centralize on your wide receivers. And this goes like single quarterbacks and single quarterback leagues. Cause obviously if you're a two quarterback, you're trying to really focus on the quarterback room. So this is probably more of a, I mean, it's still a good, it's a freaking dynasty tip. How about that? There you go. Um, if, because with wide receivers, I think their average career length is five to seven years. Um, I think it's an average of five to seven years. Let's see. Um, uh, well, average career length in years is 2.8 according to Google, but that's because people don't play and it shortens it significantly. Anyways, a decent wide receiver, one who's going to have fantasy usefulness, usually it's about four to five years, I feel like, before they kind of start wearing on their edge. I mean, like, you can look at a guy, for example, um, like, I'm blanking on. Um, so I'm trying to think of one of those, like, oh, will just say Corey Davis. I mentioned him last show. I'm not going to sit here and say that you're the most excited in the world if you drafted Corey Davis with your 101 and your fantasy drafts way back when, because, I mean, he was, I'm pretty sure, like, the consensus 101 in pretty much every format. Um, but ever since then, I mean, he's never did what he was supposed to do. His best fantasy season is, you know, finish at 27. Um, but the thing is, is that he's had some usable fantasy weeks. He's been able to be someone that if you needed to in an absolute pinch, you could probably plug him in and see, you know, got something more often than not out of him. And from a dynasty perspective, a lot of times that's kind of all you ask for. It's not necessarily the 
amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, he's Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith kind of players like that, but he's a guy who's on the field, who's getting you targets, getting you stats, getting you points. Um, so the reason why I focus more on wide receivers is typically because like I said, they're, careers are just they last longer so that way if i do have a great wide receiver on a rebuilding roster such as in uh, one of my leagues where like i had jamar chase jalen model and it's a 100 rebuilding roster well i traded jalen model for chris Olave in a first and currently it looks like i'm gonna come out about even in that or you know ahead depending on who i take with that first and how they do and yada 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 um but when it comes down to it just the wide receiver position is like the stability to rosters because you can count on them more consistently for points versus while uh, running backs, while I feel like they can be a little bit more wild, a little bit more hit or miss um, your wide receiver position is going to be like, you can look at them as like, okay, I can, I feel like I can get anywhere between about 20 to 30 points on a half PPR league pretty consistently with a pairing. Like for instance, in the OG league, um, I have Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Jahan Dotson as my top three wide receivers. Um, like I look at those three and when I'm counting my weekly point total in my head, just guessing, I'm like, okay, that's probably, you know, I'm going to say 15 from Jamar. I'm going to say at least 12 from Jalen. So I'm at 27. Uh, and then from Jahan, like I'll say like, sure, that's, that's an eight. So, I mean, I'm looking at 35 points of a league that scores an average of hundred points, like anywhere between 90 to hundred points every week. I'm like, that's a third of my tally. And that's, a third of my players, but then with the wide receivers, I feel like they also have more, the more like, I'll say this trepidatiously. They have the blow up games, but they're not the explosive. Like, yes, I know you're like, but Jalen model had a 48 point game last year in week three against Baltimore. I know I was there. I was watching it. I saw him catch that last second touchdown. And yes, I did jump up and yes, I did audibly scream. But what I'm saying is I feel like, um, that position is just going to bring stability. It's going to kind of even out the ruffles on your roster. Now, when it comes to running backs, these are the explosive. These are the ones that you're wanting, that you're looking for like the more boomer bust potential on a weekly basis, in my opinion, because with a running back, like a guy can get 15 carries for 70 yards, no touch, no touchdown, no receptions. That's seven points. It's kind of like, Oh joy, that could be worse. It could be better. Whatever. Um, but then he could also have those same 15 carries for 148 yards, two touchdowns. And all of a sudden your bland seven points goes to 12, 26.8, just in the blink of an eye, just, you know, as far as like, he just shakes one tackle off or shakes two tackles off slightly differently. Um, so the running back position is one that personally, I tend to lean more towards like my variety, my variability on my roster construction in my running backs. Because, you know, running backs have short lifespans. If you're not competing, you probably don't need a top tier running back. Like, I have honestly been facing the hard decision in the OG League because I think I have a roster that could compete. And depending on who I get in the draft, I think it could push for a title just because, you know, it would be carried by probably Brees Hall, Jamar Chase, Jalen Model, like that core of three people once Brees Hall comes back to full health. Um. But until like now I'm looking at myself in the mirror, it's also like, but if it's not, do I trade Brees Hall and Miles Sanders to capitalize just to get as much as I possibly can? The answer is I probably should. Will I? I don't know. It's a hard thing to make. Because if I don't if I don't get you know more than I'm more than I paid, I'm keeping it by God. 
because I'm all, I always feel like I'm one year away, which is a dangerous place to be. Don't be me, be better than me. Um, but anyway, so like my running backs, I feel like is where I'm, where I personally look for my variability. I look for my, you know, my swings at the fences, because if it's a miss, whatever, I can still probably recoup similar ish draft capital, or I can throw him into a deal that makes it look better just because he's a running back. Um, meanwhile, with wide receivers, I feel like, like to put it in investment terms, like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, like all the two premier wide receivers or even the young ones, they're kind of like those long-term investments where like you don't see it pan out until about 20 years later. Meanwhile, the running backs are more of those immediate high-risk, high-reward where all of a sudden you put 25 cents into it and you look up and it's like, oh my God, that 25 cents is now worth $178 or whatever. I'm going to cash in while I can. <laughs> um but that's just how I build my roster. Like if I was, let's, let's try to pull up Jance's roster real quick. Yes, he's the one who bailed on me tonight, but it's fine. It's whatever. I'll allow it. Like his running backs currently in OG is like Ken Walker, um, Khalil Herbert. Scroll down. He's got Devin Singletary, Brian Robinson. Um, he's probably, and I think he's in a decent position to add a couple more in the drafts. I mean, he's got Rashad White on his taxi squad. Like his running backs to me, are more of the, um, like, kind of looks for the volume, kind of looks for the long, as long as he's on the field, he's going to produce, I'm going to be okay with that. Um, and his wide receivers were Chris Olave and Devonta Smith, which to me is the, more of like the floor that I was talking about to a different extreme. Not that that's bad at all. Like, Chris Olave, Devonta Smith is better than about, you know, probably – five sixth of the league so very like top edge is very good um but anyways probably a bad example whatever um but it's just kind of my personal philosophy that my running backs are typically my swings at the fences my wide receivers is what i look at is what i'm looking at to kind of buoy the ship if you will um going to tr- like i'll just talk about trading because now yeah, i'm just gonna talk about passion just because i okay, can't what i do when i'm by myself um but whenever it comes to trading and like especially trading picks after the NFL draft, it helps so much, not just for you, but also for the person you're trading with to say like, okay, you know, because whenever I say you'll get, I don't know, something, you'll get Darius Slate in the 104 for your 103. It makes a lot more sense to say like, okay, so I'm getting Darius Slayton and Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston for Jackson Smith and Jigba or whatever player you want to put there. And it just kind of helps with that valuation to where it's no longer just a, an ethereal out there thought process. Um, and that's why we tell you on this podcast that if you're going to acquire a draft pick, typically the cheapest time you're going to get to do that is before the NFL draft. Because after the NFL draft, there are definitive values. Players have definitive homes. Um, there can be definitive arguments and thought processes and narrative streets that can be built around a player on a certain roster. Like for instance, if we just took, we'll say, um, if we took Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison, you know what? I'll even switch this around. Let's say Quentin Johnston and uh, Zay Flowers. If we switch them around to where Zay Flowers is on the Chargers and Quentin Johnston is on the Ravens, it's entirely different outlooks because I feel like with Zay Flowers, it's like, okay, 
how's he going to fit in? Well, he's going to be a slot only player, but Keenan Allen's there. So now it's Keenan going to have the bump to the outside. So is that going to be conflict or are they going to try Zay on the outside? So that kind of would change the tier of drafting. And if Quentin Johnston was on Baltimore, you would sit there and like, for me at least to be like, okay, like, yes, Hollywood Brown had a couple of good seasons in Baltimore, but with my disbelief in Lamar's ability to be a consistent passer, that would knock him down further than what I think Zay Flowers. Because I do think that those two players being on the correct teams, you know, like Quentin Johnson currently being on the Chargers and Zay currently being on the Ravens, I think that those are better fits for the squads. So I think that the overall depth of talents or depth of, you know, like projectable fantasy goodness is more closely aligned than it would be if even those just those two players switched. Like if you're going to take another step forward, like if you're going to say Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson switch teams, suddenly Quentin Johnson's opposite of Justin Jefferson as a downfield threat. And then you had Jordan Addison who's running slot routes in Los Angeles. I feel like that's even a different value yet again, because you would, one could argue it's kind of the same thing of, you know, like, well, Jordan Addison on the Vikings has Justin Jefferson take coverage away. Well, whenever it's Quentin Johnston who's running down the field, is he just going to take more coverage away from Justin Jefferson because he's currently just a deep field specialist? Um, you know, and so, and if Justin or if Jordan Addison was on the Chargers, once again, that's one of those like, well, he ran mostly slot routes in college. Um, what's going to happen with Keenan Allen? Are they going to put him outside? Is Mike Williams done? What's going on with Josh Palmer? Like, it's just a lot of questions. So that's why if you're going to make a move for a certain draft pick, do it prior to the NFL draft. Um, I know it's easier said than done. And um, especially when like already trying to trade for 2024 picks, this is where you're just shrugging your shoulder, shooting your shot on who you think is going to have a terrible year. Here's a yawn for everybody. Um, but that's, that's where if you are, if it's that awkward in between time between like the end of the fantasy season and before the NFL draft, that's the cheapest window to acquire draft picks because once again, after that, you have definitive value because a player is on a team. Like, remember, before this, before, like, perfect example, before this draft cycle, <clears throat> Zach Charbonnet on this podcast and many other, you know, mainstream podcasts was being talked about as potentially being as high as the 102. Because if you think back to what was being talked about as well, the Bengals are tired of Joe Mixon, mostly his contract because it's massive. And they were looking at cutting him back around the draft. Well, and you know, we other even other conversations like, okay, well, like the Dolphins, they have an, an ancient running back room. Could they look at adding Zach Charbonnet and him becoming the bell cow back because he's got the big the thickness for it? Um, you know, if Zach Charbonnet went to Cincinnati without uh, Joe Mixon there, he would have probably been above Jameer Gibbs for me. Or you know, Zach Charbonnet goes to the Chargers and supplements um, Austin Eckler, like that right there would have also been absolutely fantastic um but yes what happened was is pete carroll ruined my fun and he drafted him in the second round to be the backfield accomplice of ken walker who last year topped a thousand yards as a rookie um needless to say the fantasy world wept when that happened just because like i i was i was one who was leading the weeping train let me be real because if he would have been on the cincinnati bengals I would have made it an even more, I would have made an aggressive offer for the 102, saying forsaking the 101 because of simply cost measures. Because Bijan's, if you're going to get the 101 or you're going to trade away the 101, you better get a haul plus. Um, 
But anyways, back to the original point. Um, so like his value went from being Zach Charbonnet by himself. The 102's value in single quarterback leagues, I think drastically changed when it went from the potential lead running back on either the Dolphins or the short down supplement on the Chargers, which would have been great still, by the way, or, um, you know, the lead guy in Cincinnati. It went from that to me and Jance arguing who is going to get more touches and where is it going to be divided up in Seattle and if it's even worth the argument, because we both think both running backs are super talented. We both think that they have, you know, a place in the league, but they're unfortunately in the same backfield. So that means one will be leeching from the other. Um, so but now he's actually is like the 110 in a lot of leagues. I think in single quarterback, his ADP is about the 107, 108. Um, so that's just a big swing. That's a big difference to where if I would have made a deal for the 102 prior, I honestly would feel a little bad. Like, yeah, I'd be okay. I'd be happy taking Jameer Gibbs. But I'm like, it's not what I was expecting because it was not the player I wanted at the spot I wanted because the draft screwed it up. So now... It's after the NFL draft. Now, players like, you know, Bijan are untouchable. Like, yes, even before the draft, the 101 was very difficult to acquire, but you can make an argument. It's like, okay, but like, what if Bijan lands in Seattle? What if he goes somewhere that's just absolutely hot garbage and we're sitting here just in the muck about it all for a couple of years? That was an argument you can make. But now that he's on the Falcons, they run first offense who... Um, a fifth-round rookie in Tyler Algier topped a thousand yards last year, I believe, or was close to it. Now you put one of the more generational prospects at running back just behind Saquon, and I think maybe just ahead of um, Brees Hall. You put him in that situation. Yeah, I'm like feeling like 1,300 yards, double-digit touchdowns, and probably 40 receptions at a minimum. Um, yeah, that's you're not going to touch the 101 unless you're in a super flex league and you want to offer me a quarterback in fantasy criminals. Just saying out there. Um, but. So now, like Zach Charbonnet's value, like he's a, it's a case study right now. Now his back at the 110, which presents either one of two things, an absolute value or an absolute trash, depending on what happens. And that's just the thing, we don't know. Um, so moral of the story is, um, what I like to try to do is, I like to try to get as high as I can in, the NF, in our rookie drafts prior to the NFL draft, just because I personally have had an okay, I've had, usually had an okay time being able to embrace the variability and be able to use that pick either for myself because something broke surprisingly well, or I've been able to trade back a couple spots while accruing a lot more for a player that I didn't don't really want to take at the one or two. Like for instance, this year, if I had the one or two, I would be actively trying to trade back a spot or two to pick up either an extra first next year or, you know, an early second this year, maybe um, just move back a spot, maybe two. Um, because I'm not the biggest fan of Jameer Gibbs just because of X, Y, Z, reason, reasons, reasons. Um, and so uh, it's just kind of one of those things of you have to know your own strengths. And I typically have found my ability that to assess kind of the NFL draft happenings, not that I'm a guru by any stretch of the imagination, obviously, but um, I kind of, I've been okay with that because I don't know if I've said this point and I believe it, but I'm going to say it again. Like I traded Miles Sanders and Boston Scott for the 103 and I think like a 303 before the NFL draft two years ago, which was the one that Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris came out of. And so it's one of those things of I was able to turn that into um, a J- Jamar Chase, and I'm actively trying to find the draft history, so I can tell you who the other guy was. 
Uh, One thing I like about Sleeper, they make it pretty easy to get this stuff. Um, So the 2021, yeah, 2021 season. So I drafted Jamar Chase and Josh Palmer with those two picks. So it was a three, it was a 103 and a 305. But anyways, I drafted Jamar Chase, Josh Palmer. Who guess what? Both of those players have gotten use for me. Um, as I directed it before the NFL draft, I got one of the most generational talents at run wide receiver, plus a guy who, as of you know that year and the next year, was the wide receiver three for Justin Herbert. Um, so, anyways, long story short, make your moves to get as high as you can pre-draft, and then after the draft, if you don't like what's happening. Wait until training camp and send like if you there are a couple of players you're more comfortable with that's a little bit further back or the tiers about the same, trade back. Um, that way you can help yourself out in the short and long term. Um, go into more of a super flexy vibe, and this this one that is the league dynamics is so different. To me, I will I'll I'll go with the startup tip when it comes to this one. In a startup super flex draft. I think your first pick, your first one of your first two picks has got to be an elite quarterback. Um, one of those young top 12 guys. I mean, I know it's like, well, top 12, that's real big. Well, nerd dip. But by securing that, you don't put yourself in the situation which I find myself in, which I'm currently, I have Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett as my three quarterbacks. And it's not the worst in the world, I will confirm. But it's also sketchy because, you know, my particular case, it's like balls. Kirk Cousins could be out of 5,000 next year. Geno Smith could be the same thing. And suddenly my championship caliber roster that also has Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Tiggs, by the way, just saying. Um, now, suddenly, it doesn't matter how good those three receivers are, because guess what? If my quarterbacks suck, it's not going to matter. Just because I won't have the ability to keep up. Like even looking at the startup draft, like here was my starting starting picks. Okay, Tyree Kilmeade's in Kansas City, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Keenan Allen in the fourth round, Darren Waller, Robert Woods when he's with the Rams, Mike Davis when he was going to Atlanta, and we all had hype train him, failed miserably. And then my first quarterback was pick eight, which was Kirk Cousins, fantastic value. But listen to the other quarterbacks that were on my roster: Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, Taysom Hill. And you're wondering, well, which quarterbacks went just ahead of those? Well, ahead of Kirk Cousins was Jameis Winston at the 7-12, Tua at the 7-7, Matt Ryan at the 7-5 when he was with the Falcons, Carson Wentz when he was the Colts starter. Like, that's going back into round six. And then Baker Mayfield as Cleveland starter in round six. That's where I made the mistake with this league. Like, yes, I got a great positional advantage. I made some decent trades since then in order to acquire, you know, just talented players. But... I now this league is one, two. This is the third year deep. I feel the insecurity of quarterback. Um, so that's why my official stance is if you're doing a draft, a startup draft, unless like the top tier of a player is there, like of a positional player is there, and I'm talking like the number one or number two overall guy, please do better than me draft a quarterback in your opening in your startup draft because like ahead of me like I could have had um let's see here 
I could have had Tom Brady for a couple magical years. I could have got Deshaun Watson. This was before all the craziness happened. Could have had Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers. Could have had any of those guys. Um, Joe Burrow, even like the third round. But instead, I went Tyreek, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon. If I could go back, oh, I would absolutely smash Joe Burrow in the third round over Joe Mixon. Like, because you realize how ridiculous it sounds out loud right now, right? Like, I know two years ago, he was coming off of an injury, I believe. Um, but even, like, just going back in retrospect, like, he was a first-round, 101 overall pedigree. He's going to start his rookie contract almost no matter what, unless he's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or just hot dookie fire. Um, and then, like, my team, like, even if you just take Joe Mixon out, put Joe Burrow in. Let's see, Joe Burrow was a fourth-round pick. So we'll say you switch out Joe Burrow for Joe Mixon, and in the third round, I take, we'll just say, J.K. Dobbins. I know that's not, like, great, but still, like, the fact that I would have the stability of that one stud elite quarterback would bring so much security to my roster, it would be unreal. Not to mention I would have the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow stack for life. Um, But now, I mean, I think Joe Burrow got traded in this league for, like, three ones, a quarterback and something else for basically Joe Burrow, maybe like a kickback of a second round pick the following year. Now I can't get a quarterback. Like I'm sitting here squirming, like praying to God that this is the last year of probably competing in this league before I blow this sucker up. No, that does not mean anyone can have Justin, Chase, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. So keep your grubby hands off of him. Um, but it's just like, I know it's just a loophole episode where you just hear me ramble. That's fine. Um, but like moral of the story is in your startups, walk away with a top tier quarterback. Make sure you do better than me and you draft Joe Burrow over Joe Mixon. So like if I was going to imagine a scenario now that I feel like is mostly realistic, um, if you're going to do a dynasty startup right now, two quarterbacks, there should be Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, Jalen Hurts for me personally like that, like Trevor Lawrence so now I'm at 6 um, I'd put Tua at 7 even you know, just general speaking not like overall rankings but to put Tua at 7 um, like that top 7 should be gone in the blink of an eye let me see if I can set up a mock draft real quick of a startup super flex just to kind of give you a, a brief view as into who would still be there if we were going to do this do 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 do. let's see here better idea let's use the google machine go to fantasy pros yes i'm just gonna talk this out loud because you know dead air time is not fun time um so So right now, Superflex Dynasty rankings. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, and for some god-awful reason, Lamar Jackson are in the top 12. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's seven of the top 12 picks or quarterbacks. That right there, easy. I'd take that heart in a heartbeat. Those seven, 12, I would make sure that I'm walking away either with one of those guys or like, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson um, type player. And then in the next round, I would be making sure 
without a shadow of a doubt that I am spamming a quarterback, almost forcing the pick just because of what it feels like. Like, because quarterbacks retain their value for a long time in Dynasty. Like, there's a reason why people still harp about Lamar Jackson's value whenever his last decent year was 20 full, full year. So, Jay, sit back down. Um, last full season of usefulness was 2019, which is when he won the MVP. Ever since then, it's been a downhill slide. Statistically, games played-wise, it's not been good. It's not been fantastic. But yet, if you went to trade Lamar Jackson today, you could sit and say, well, all the rankings still in the top 12. So if you want him, you got to pay up a little bit for him. I think that'd be an absolute steal. Like, yeah, in the second round, I'd be trying to force in, like, a Justin Fields, even though I'm not the biggest fan of him. I'm trying to force in maybe like a Deshaun Watson, a two, like I mentioned before, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, like some of these players just to make sure that I have one of those top tier quarterbacks on my roster, because let me tell you, it's not a comfortable world being without a long-term starting option at quarterback right now. Unless can you pick it? And can you pick it? I trust. Oh, I have one of them after saying that statement out loud, but um, kind of moving on this is kind of once again just more of a trade base trade based thought and theology is don't go in there with the mentality of you know like a car salesman like don't try to swindle anybody actually try to have a real fleshed out conversation that's the biggest thing and I know James and I've talked about it before is but if you have a conversation with someone not necessarily trying to argue against their point but just to say your thoughts on the trade that's the best way that you can find a trade in the weeds. What I say by that is like a lot of times I'll find myself initially asking for one player, then through conversations, someone else is brought up and they're like, oh, I'd be willing to trade that away for this similar deal. And it's like, okay. Then you start branching off into smaller ideas or different ideas. Next thing you know, you still have a trade that you're wanting might be different from what the inception was, but you still have something that you're walking away with. Um, so that's why like, and I know I don't do this all the time, but like whenever you get a trade offer, a lot of times send a response, send a feedback of like, hey, like for instance, I got an offer for Jamar Chase today. It's fantastic. It, it, like, not, I'm not gonna say fantastic. It was a very good offer. Um, but it wasn't enough for what I thought. So instead of just declining and walking away and leaving everyone wondering, it was, hey, that's a very good offer. It's the closest one I've had to think about for Jamar Chase in a while, but I'm still going to pass because I think that there is greater value still with just Jamar Chase. Um, and it was it was a solid offer. Um, but by saying that, that still can continue along, along the lines of, okay, but instead of Jamar Chase, what about this receiver instead? What could I get for this receiver? Because obviously they're hunting for a receiver. Um, so that's where it's just being a conversationalist. It's having those just okay deliberations and those okay back and forths of, okay, like, you know, your initial request was for a running back. I'm not going to trade that for that current package unless you up it. I will offer this running back for that instead. And a lot of times you'll find it's like, okay, like I can do that. Or they'll lower their offer just a touch and you'll find that you meet in the middle. And that's fantastic. That's all trading is, and, you know, and kind of my lowdown opinion is, it's trying to meet in the middle to where you're not trying to swindle the other person. And, you know, they're not trying to swindle you. Um, you're just trying to make a decent trade that you think that both of you benefit from. That's why I have my statement of in our leagues, when a trade goes down that nobody likes, including myself, it's, Hey, congratulations. As long as you're both okay with the trade, I get to be okay with it because I think trade like vetoes commissioner, this is just my rant session real quick. 
Making trade vetoes are absolutely ridiculous. I hate the fact that so many people are like, hey, should I veto this trade on like, you know, Twitter or on the sleeper um, conversation message board, stuff like that. People are like, should this trade be vetoed? No, no trade should ever be vetoed unless you can undoubtedly prove it was collusion. Um, like if someone said like $1 for Jamar Chase, I mean, th- that right, th- like one fab dollar for Jamar Chase, like, no, like that one, I understand because that's not even remotely close to a value that should be considered an okay thing. Like I'll go back all the way and well, I've mentioned this several times. I'm trying to pull it up again. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Coming out of, I believe it was his year. Yeah, it was in 2018. So it was Odell Beckham in a second round pick for Emmanuel Sanders, who at the time was like a top 24 wide receiver. TJ Yeldon, who at the time I believe was a usable flex player, but two first round picks and one of them was going to be early. Um, I remember I threw a big fit. I made just the most absolute stink. And I, I feel I really do feel bad about it. Dayton, I apologize for being a terrible person about this one, but um, it's one of those things of I made I complained so much. I was like, this is garbage. He's gonna be the number one player from in fantasy for the next four years at least. Remember, that was 2018. So, and here's his following three-year stats. 2019, his first year, no, so he's traded there October 3rd, 2018. So I'll count that one. 2018, he was the wide receiver 16, wide receiver 15, depending on the format, in, tw- in 12 games. 2019, he was a wide receiver 25 in PPR and in being nice because it's a higher one. And guess what? 2020, wide receiver 88. 2021, wide receiver 55. 2022, Never played. And that was the next four years that I was sitting here complaining and just whining about saying he's going to be the bomb for that long. I was very, 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 very wrong. And that's okay. Um, So that's why it comes into dynasty is such just a variable beast. Um, That's why, like, you know, we may say Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase are absolute locks for the next five years. As far as we know, they're about to hit that Odell Beckham wall, which, God, I hope I'm wrong. Because remember, ODB, he was wide receiver seven his rookie year, five his next year, four in 2016, and then 2017 he's towards ACL, 2018-15. And ever since then, he hasn't finished as a top 24 wide receiver in any format since 2018. Yes, it's also just a statement of how he is old, but... Outside of those th- like four years, he's not been someone you wanted to have on your roster necessarily. Um, so that's why whenever a trade happens, unless you can prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was collusion or it's one of those, I even I even am apprehensive about saying this, but it's one of those like Justin Jefferson for Mark Sanchez, a guy who's been out of league for forever. Like obviously that as a commissioner, I'd look at that and just say, yeah, no, that's not going to happen because there's not even an argument that you can say, like, at least if there were players involved and there was picks involved, like you can argue, like, for instance, if someone said, oh, yeah, like I just uh, traded for Jamar Chase and I sent Tyquan Thornton in my next two first round picks, even though I think it's a bad trade for the other person to have accepted, it's still you could you could make an argument of like, OK, Tyquan could have a bigger role this year in New England, those two first round picks. As far as we know, everyone else on that guy's roster is going to get injured, and that turns into Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, Emeka Egbuka coming out next year. 
And then in 2020, you know, the other one could be Travion Henderson, whatever it may be. Um, that's where it just comes into the variability of like, you can make an argument, even though I still would stand by that's a bad trade, that you can at least have a presentation and say, this is why I accept that this is my thought process behind it. Um, yes, trading in Dynasty is a lot of times like buying a new car or buying something big. Um, there's immediate regret pretty quick after a lot of times because it's like, mm, man, like I traded Tua and Michael Pittman for Justin Herbert. I think that was, that was it. Let me check that trade log real quick. It's also the great thing I like about Sleeper is I can select a player and see his transaction history and I see everything. So in 2021, uh, Justin Jefferson, before his second year in the league when he was the number two overall quarterback, I traded Tua Tungabaloa and Michael Pittman for Hunter Renfro and Justin Herbert. Now remember, now yes, that turned out great for one year. I think that was the year where Hunter Renfro was like the number 13 overall wide receiver. Um, but I remember trading away Tua and Michael Pittman and I was like, well, well, crap. Like, I just traded away a guy who has Jalen Waddle as his number one. Michael Pittman was looking like he's going to be the number one for, I believe, his Carson Wentz at the time. And he's going to step into immediate opportunity. Like, I loved Michael Pittman. I was like, man, this was a, it was a hard trade for me. But I think I'm going to go with it. And I did. And ever since then, like, I would say it's honestly kind of a little bit of a wash. I think I won that trade in the long term just because Justin Herbert. But – I feel like it's more close to a wash when at the time I, I no joke. I had immediate regret. I was like, crap, I just risked a lot for two guys that I believed in to one guy that I'm pretty sure is going to be okay. Um, but that's just where, you know, circle back around to don't complain when a, when a trade goes through, don't be that guy. Like, yes, it's okay to poke fun at someone and say like, okay, like that was a really dumb trade. Why did you accept it? But when they present you with, okay, well, I accept it because this, this, and this, Congratulations. I hope you're happy with the trade. Best of luck to both of you, but I hope you both lose when it comes, when you play against me, something like that. Don't be a tool. Um, kind of the last dynasty tip that I'll give in this mostly scatterbrained, mostly not enjoyable episode. I don't know. You do whatever you want to do with it. Turn on, let your dog fall asleep to it. You know, if it doesn't like fireworks that people are still inevitably popping the day after, or, you know, turn on, help your kid fall asleep. Cause it's like, you know, a slightly more aesthetic version of NPR almost. Um, but my overall dynasty tip, and this is my biggest bugaboo with everything, is just be active, be involved. Um, like OG League, this is mostly directed at you because during the season, OG is great. It's active. There's people talking pretty regularly. There's waiver transactions. There's trades going through. But when there's a trade going through, nine times out of ten, it's because of like three members of the league. Like I'm one day going to go through and sift through every trade transaction made in that league. And I guarantee you, you'll find one of three names in it every single time, every time. Um, it's because this, they're scared of making a trade. Meanwhile, stranger danger and fantasy criminals trades fly around kind of like COVID in 2020. That's a sense of issue. I apologize. I don't mean any uh, interference, but I mean, it was pretty contagious for a while as someone who's in healthcare. Trust me. I, I, I've been there. Um, but it, it's just contagious. One trade goes through, all of a sudden, another one goes through, then all of a sudden, another one goes through, then all of a sudden, another one goes through. And I feel a little left out sometimes. <laughs> um, but just even if you're not active with trading, just stay active on the messenger boards. Be kind to your commissioners. Um, just because, listen, we're doing a job that typically it's because no one else wanted to do and we're someone that you know people kind of tolerate-ish. Um, but it's just one of those things of when you stay active, 
it makes it easier for everyone to have a good time, especially in the off season. Like that's the part of the fun about dynasty is you have all off season to make moves, conjectures, thoughts, um, you know, kind of seeing what you can do to make sure that you're setting your team up for your success. Like you're getting your guy, you're having your thought process all through the summer of like, I swear to God, if so-and-so takes him in the draft, I'm going to be upset and weep my massive tears. Um, but it's, it's just like staying engaged is the best way that a dynasty league thrives, not just survives, thrives. Um, because you know, plenty of dynasty leagues, they're just humdrum, you know, eight to five or someone shows up during the season so that's the roster then disappears throughout the offseason. The offseason is what makes Dynasty great. But back to the original point of just be involved. Message, you know, just send a message every now and then on, on the boards just saying you're excited for the season to start. Something like that. Um, or if the commissioner asks you a question, respond to it. Vote in the poll. Make sure that you're not, like, like your opinion's heard because, like, for instance, something that I've struggled with as a commissioner is wanting to implement something, but in putting up a poll and only four people responding. Like, I'm not going to make a move based off four people. Now I have threatened people, but I will. So help me God. Um, but usually I try to set a threshold of at least two thirds of the league has to vote. And I also say, and this is my personal thing. If you have live drafts, make your rule changes, prop- make your rule proposition changes, rule, rule change propositions. There it is. I'm not trying to proposition you with propositions, <laughs> but make those at the live draft because Typically, you're going to have everybody there so they don't have an excuse to not have an opinion. They kind of get to, you know, just embrace whatever you have to say and get over themselves with it. Um, and, and so that way, and plus that way, whenever everyone's together, you can get a consensus opinion real quick. And it doesn't take long. And you can even have a little debates back and forth of why you're pro switching to Superflex in 2025, why you're against it, why you think tight ends should get, you know, the tight end premium scoring and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's just the, the valid validation of where when you have the entire crew together, it's so easy to make changes and to get things done because they're there. They're not escaping. They have no reason to not respond. Um, so, you know, and that's just a fun little tidbit of, you know, being involved going back to like have a trophy. I know OG, we have a trophy because we've met together. I think this league, not as a dynasty league, but like as a fantasy league, we've been together since 2009. So we're, we're approaching year 14. God, we're getting old. Um, but like, so most of the core group has stayed the same. We've had a trophy that's followed with us since I believe 2015, 2014. Um that makes it fun because that gives bragging rights. Like I remember, unfortunately, someone who's won the trophy a couple times and I've had it in my possession, but never owned it. Um, like typically in draft, they'd wake up with a picture of the trophy in my inbox and like, hey, guess what? This has been mine all year. Like one time he sent a picture of him spooning with it in bed. Yes, there was plenty of jokes because on the bottom of it, there was this little opening that they had, you know, do, to do to screw the trophy and make sure it didn't fall over. There were so many jokes about that and it was so worth it. But guess what? You can always look at me and say, I've won a championship. Have you? Unfortunately, no. Thank you, Devontae Adams. Freaking jerk. Scoring 40-something points. He could have scored 30. Not even fine. He scored 40. What punk A. Anyways, back to the original circus board here. Stay involved, and that will make everything so much better for everybody. 
Um, kind of a quickly recap on the ones I can remember. Um, my first overall dynasty tip was, or not my first overall, but my first one that I gave today was wide receivers are your long-term investments. I find them as my, like I view them as my stability. They're the players I can bank on for several seasons. Meanwhile, running backs are more of my lotto tickets. I'm just hoping that one hits and one pops off big. I'm making aggressive trades in the middle of the season to get another running back to help me push for title. If not, I'm probably trying to trade them away and be happy with life. Um, Second tip was about trading. It was about having a conversation. I believe I probably skipped one, whatever. It's about having a conversation because whenever you have a conversation during trades, it gets your opinion out there and heard to where at least there's an understanding for why you value player X as you do. Um, The next one, trying to remember. Don't remember. I just remember one of them was about vetoes. Don't complain about vetoes. Don't complain about dynasty trades because we truly don't know. As much as we think we know, we try to project the future. We have no clue. Like I said, I complained like a two-year-old child whenever Odell Beckham was traded for a top 24 wide receiver a flex option running back at best and two first round picks. And you sent away ODB in a second. Like that right there, like forever is my standby of do not complain about trades. Do not veto trades because look at that panned out. And we all thought that was dumb at the time. Apparently he's a freaking genius. Cause those two picks, by the way, turned into Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf. That's, that's a pretty good exchange. I'd say. Um, and then the final one was just be involved. Um, be active in the message boards, be active responding to trades, be active, you know, just making sure that your voice is heard. And then the little bonus tip at the end was if you can have a live draft, by the way, Empire Criminals and um, the other one, Stranger Danger, that I commissioned that one too. (laughs) At some point we will be having all live drafts, like all those leagues and even the Empire League, if we can, are going to be live drafts just because it's better. So I get to see all your turns make fun of you for beating you and having a better roster than you, and then shrug my shoulders whenever I lose. Why? Because fantasy football is fun, and it's fun because of the people you surround yourself with in the league. Um, and with that deep-ish statement, um, I'm just going to you know, sign out here. If you want to let me know any other dynasty tips you might have, or if you have any questions about some things that I've said today, um, please reach out on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review from whatever platform you're, you're from, because The more ratings and reviews we get, the more the algorithm helps us, which helps us to grow even more. Because I know we've talked about since year one how we wanted to do shirts and stuff, and we do. But we're just two little boys trying to make sure we have our bills paid by the end of the week. Um, Yes, I know we've talked about a Patreon several times, but guess what? Like I said, there's things that pop up and we got to do. But if you show us this engagement and our groundswell starts to increase further than what it already has, that's when we actually start doing that stuff even more even more having those conversations. Like I have several mocks of shirts saved to my laptop because um, I want to print them and wear them by God. Give me a reason to. <laughs> um, heck, I'll even say this. If, I don't know, we get 20 followers by the end of what? July, 20 additional. And you'll tag us like in this episode and you're like, hey, I followed you. Give me something. I'll give the first 20 people a freaking shirt if I have to, but we have to reach that 20. If we don't reach the 20, doesn't count. Don't care. Um, also, if you have any questions or ideas or anything, send us um, an email at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. That's the other way to reach us. That's where we can kind of, you know, 
connect off of the worldview to where that way, if you do have a question that you don't want your lead mates to know about, that's probably going to be the safest route for you to go. And as someone who's in a lot of leagues with people that might send questions, guess what? I will help you even if it is to my detriment, even if it is a trade that's to my arch nemesis, who I think that, you know, and I'm trying to trade with the same person. If their trade package is better than what I'm offering, I will tell you to accept their trade because unfortunately I'm altruistic like that. But anyways, thanks for struggling through this endeavor with me. Hope you made it through the 4th of July with all 10 fingers and all 10 toes and at least most of your facial features intact. And with that, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Well, maybe I won't be alone. And if I am going to be alone again, I'm going to make my wife hop on for a second to see how many players she can name off of my OG Dynasty roster because that's the one that I talk about the most. Anyways, say la vie, au revoir, and remember, USA's number one baby.